All right, guys, welcome back to Within Tolerance. This is episode 67, and I once again joined with Dylan. And today it's just Dylan and I, and we're going to be talking about a little bit of everything. So, Dylan, what is up with you? Uh, another good week, actually. So I'm, I don't know, 10 hours away from finishing my titanium job, which is fantastic. Built all the fixtures this last weekend for the final ops. I just went over to my customer's place yesterday and got the final buy off on the final ops on it. And uh, yeah, we're, they, they take a little little while for there's like four ops that I roll the part through. And uh, yeah, it's it's going pretty well. I'm still using that same kind of metal drill for more 256 holes on these ops. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Um, but one thing we did do this weekend because I when I started this job, I was like, oh, of course, I'll have time to put TSC on my machine. Like I have got the I've had the parts forever. Of course I will. And of course, we got to the ops that I had already bought TSC drills for and didn't have it installed. So this weekend we took a couple hours and um, installed it on the machine, dialed it in, got the everything plumbed up and uh, it works great. That's awesome. Yeah, you sent that video. I think you posted that on your story, didn't you? Yeah, yeah, I did. Um and actually, I had a bunch of people reach out and they're like, oh, you're not supposed to run it, you know, without the spindle running. Um, but I've spoken to my brother tech this week and he was like, nope, never heard of that problem ever. Um, yeah, I don't know why that would make. Why would that matter? I think maybe people were worried that like the rotary union doesn't seal when it stopped or something. But like he was like, no, I've never even heard of that issue. And he's like, in fact, on some of the newer mat, the 20K Matsuras, you can't turn it on with the spindle going you have to turn it on when it stopped huh um so uh, i mean this is a brother it's not a matsura blah 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 but um yeah I, I, that was the first thing i did like i i think two people reach out and they're like I, you know I, I was told to not run it except for when the spindle's running and i was like that sounds super odd um and so yeah i, I reached out and he was like nope never heard of it i was like okay uh, and like granted i'm posting it out from fusion so i'm like the spindle's already spinning. I'm not really doing that anyway, but for the two or three times I turned it on while it was stationary just to make sure that it was working, I'm, I'm not too worried about it. And that's just an M code? Yeah, yeah, it's M494 to turn it on and 495 to turn it off. And uh, we're seeing about 350 PSI. Um, we could probably turn it up a little bit, but we're for right now, that's totally fine and like, such a big upgrade. Um, yeah, I mean, even like, 100 would be fine. <laughs> right. Yeah, These final ops, I'm using like really, really stubby end mills um, slotting in titanium. And so like now I, I, I have both flood and TSC going for all of the tools that need it. And like I don't have to worry about pointing my nozzles correctly. Like they're in the, the rough right area, but I'm not super worried about like starving the tool ever. Um, of course, I bought that TSC drill and then completely forgot to buy the coolant sealed uh, collet. So I'm just running it with a normal collet and it goes through the tool and through the, the sides, probably not even through the tool because the orifices are so small, but it's still working fine. And I'm only drilling one hole per part. So I've got to make it through 30 holes or yeah, 30 holes pretty much. Yeah, that's, uh, that's going to be cakewalk. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, so far it's been awesome. Like it was a really successful last week. Uh, and then just finally getting that installed. Like I've had the motor and everything since February or March. 
Like I, I got it right around the same time that I got the fixture plate. And so I, I've just been waiting on it. And like I was slowly piecing together the other parts from McMaster, but I had had probably the full kit for quite a while. And I was only missing one or two little fittings that we bought at Ace locally. And uh, plumbing it in was pretty easy. Drilling all the holes in the tank cover was pretty easy. I'm waiting actually on, I'm putting some rib nuts because there's like a few holes that are just open through the cover. Like there's a few of them that actually go into the tank as well. And then a few of them that are just open air. And so I'm going to put some rib nuts in there. So I have something to screw into. Nice. Um, but yeah, otherwise, like I, <laughs> I've had a lot of people reach out for the parts list and I'm totally willing to share it, but I probably spent more than some people do. Like I, I bought some really expensive fittings. Like I have a bulkhead fitting for the pickup tube so that it, it's all sealed and looks nice and fits really nice and it's all hard lined and um so anyway I'll, I'll i'll definitely share the list with whoever wants it but it, it's i probably could have spent another 200 cheaper 150 bucks cheaper than i did so yeah but um yeah that's it's awesome and it's super easy to dial in um the it took us a little bit to get it primed because we thought that the we thought it was primed um, and that like we weren't getting any pressure and we were like, oh, maybe we wired it wrong or maybe we did this wrong. And it turned out we just like cracked the outlet for a second until we heard the pump noise change. And then it was done. Um, and it's a little loud, like it, it is a pressure washer motor. So like it sounds like a pressure washer going. But besides that, I'm, I'm super stoked. Yeah. Nice little upgrade. Yeah. And then uh, finally, I mean, you were there at Brad's and he has those lapping plates that he made from Tom Lipton's video. And you said you had made some in school, right? Yeah. And so I've got all the stuff and the diamond slurry that he has because I mean, I have zero reason to lap parts or like, at least right now I have no customer parts that really need it, but I don't know. It just seemed like a fun project and like cool, just yeah. a cool fun, you know, uh, pet project to have at the shop. And it'd be nice to just have them for, you know, parts I want to look shiny or, pretend to be flat <laughs> yeah tom's videos on those are i just remember watching them over and over again because there's just a lot to kind of unpack oh yeah yeah well and he, like he cuts the slots with like a circular saw yeah carbide tip circular i forgot saw. about like, that i'm pretty sure i'm gonna do that in the mill and uh i posted or i i didn't post on the discord the instant machinist discord but um somebody asked me on their steel fill like what, uh, or he recommended not to use a chamfer mill to cut the slots because I guess he, he did it all in a Haas and like, you know, cut the outside and faced them and everything and like did the slots with a chamfer mill. And he says that he has like some scratching on softer materials when he laps them and he's not sure, but it might be because the slots, they're not slots, they're, they're grooves. Um, so I think I'm going to experiment and kind of do each one differently. I've been doing a lot of research on different lapping plates and styles and all that. And there's, you know, ones that are a spiral from the center. Yep. I've instead seen of those. grooves. And so I was thinking about doing one like that. And then I was going to do one in a, just a normal crosshatch. And then um, he had one that was like all hexagons that looked really cool. Um, and I was even thinking I'm going to draw it up in Fusion and see if it's even possible. But I'd love to do one that's like my logo engraved and then like ripples of my logo. Yeah. yeah. So um, I'll play around with it and I'll keep everybody updated on how long it takes and all that. Brad said I could come over and uh, surface grind the top, so it should 
get me a lot closer. Definitely do that. I started out, I turned mine and then I ground mine within like a 10th and like that just speeds it up so much. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, I was totally fine just turning them, but then he offered and I was like, well, yeah, of course. You know, yeah, <laughs> I don't you literally go from a thou to a tenth with that. Yeah, yeah. And then it'll, it'll just be cool. I, I got 39 and 3 micron diamond slurry as well um, from the same place that he got it. It's on eBay. And if I like it, I'll, I'll definitely share the link to anybody. I think it was 18 or 20 bucks a bottle, something like that. Yeah, so, that's not, not bad at all. No, no. And, and like, granted, yeah, I, I could have bought uh, paste cheaper and mixed it all up. But like, I just I just want to do it. Like, I don't want to make all that stuff and have to deal with, like, finding bottles and mixing the right amounts. And like, you know, I know that this stuff works and it was relatively cheap and saves me the time from doing it. So. Yup. Um. But yeah, otherwise, that's that's pretty much been it. Like we kept the TC running this week, doing some other customer repeat work, too, which was great. Um, yeah, it, it was it's all been good. I got to get I have a new contactor and thermal overload for the TC, and I want to get a washdown pump all primed up and, and ready for that as well. Um, I still haven't quite figured out what pump I'm going to get, but that thing is, is hurting for a, a washdown pump. And a roof, actually. So I got to get going on that project as well. Now that I've finished all the little uh, Speedio projects, except for the mist collector. Have you gotten your windows yet? No. Um, actually, somebody asked about that, too. Uh, T5 Manufacturing asked when uh, the windows are going to come in. I think they, there was like a, I want to say, 16-day working day turnaround. I mean, I feel like it's been that long. <laughs> Let's see. I'll, I'll look up right now. Maybe early next week. Uh, let's see. So I ordered them. Yeah, they probably should be because I ordered them the tenth. I just remember when I came there, you had told me you ordered them. So it's been fourteen days. So either end of this week or sometime next week, I should be getting them. Hopefully. Yeah, that'll be good. Yeah, that'll be great. And then we got to convince Brad's coworker to come in and clean for almost free and uh, list that thing. Yeah, get that going. I got to decide too. Like I, I'm, I'm at an impasse because right now I have like the remains of my synergy in there, um, and it looks just kind of nasty. Nothing seems like it's rusting because we coated the inside of the machine a ton with WD forty. Um, but I'm like trying to decide if it would be easier to sell it if I like charge it with a lower concentration of quality chem and like clean out the machine and make it look presentable. Cause like right now, like the, that synergy is like turned brown, like not dark brown, but like, I don't know, like just like a, a brownish shade of clear. And so uh, I don't want to waste all that money, but I guess if I clean the machine well, and put all the coolant in there and, you know, ha maintained it until we sold it. I could always just drain it and put it in the, the brothers. Oh, is that your worry is you don't want to waste the coolant that's in it now? Well, I, I definitely want to dump what's in there. Yeah. But I don't want to, I just don't, like, I don't want to replace it with, you know, 20, 30 gallons of QualiChem and then waste, you know, $50 worth of coolant or something like that. Why, why fill it? 
Um, because I don't want the tank to rust or anything to rust in there. I mean, if you sell it relatively quickly, I don't think it would, would it? Uh, hopefully not. <laughs> yeah, like I hope it's our not sitting for more than a couple weeks. Fifty and sixty percent because of. We'll see. Um, yeah, the a lot of the shops around here are tied up in aerospace work, and aerospace has kind of taken a, a big dive, at least in the commercial sector. So. Uh, I'm not really sure how quickly it'll sell or not. I think you'll be surprised. I hope you're surprised. I hope so. I mean, we're, we're going to include a Kurt Vice, a bunch of BT35 or BT30 tooling. We've got a bunch of pull studs. Um, whoever buys it will be ready to rock with it. Um, so I'm hoping it goes pretty quick. And like we've got all the manuals. We've got, uh, I want to say we have a spare control board too that might need a repair or something like that. I, I can't remember what we have as far as electronics, but like, you know, we, we, we've gone through that thing so many freaking times now and had to fix so many things that like, we have quite a few spare parts and things like that. So yeah, we'll see. Um, but yeah, that that's pretty much what's going on in my world. What about you? How are things going? Well, my mill has been running for the past probably four or five days straight. Like I haven't turned it off. Um, That's awesome. Which is really nice to run molds and just like every eight to 12 hours, go down there, take five minutes to swap it out. And I just keep pressing the button and I just keep walking away. And like, it's just nice to wake up and it's like, Oh, it's still running. And like the other day I was like, Oh, I'll give it a break. And I was like, wait, why do I need to give it a break? I'm going to run another one. Like, screw that. And so I was like, all right, run another eight hour one. And then it was done at like midnight and I ran another one while I slept. And just that's been great because I'm working on this one product release that I think is eight or 10 different Lego guns. And so that's, I mean, eight to 10 molds, depending on how I lay it out. So each mold takes anywhere from, I would say 14 hours to 24 hours total between the two halves. So I was just like, you know what? I'm just going to start banging these out. So should be done. I got one more mold to design and then I've just got to test the molds and make the products and I've got a product release. That's awesome. Yeah. So that yeah, I'm that hoping, super quick. yeah, I'm hoping to get that done my goal is next Friday because um, I've got a lot of stuff I'm working on now. And that kind of goes to my next point about printing is I've been printing like crazy. Um, I'm looking at a pile of figures that I've done, but I still got a huge pile of parts that need to get printed. So pretty much all day yesterday and today up until we started this, I've been printing um, one of, so for the fixtures for these Lego parts, I talked about I needed to make some and I started making a few, but I had had a fixture made a while back and I never ended up using it, but I was able to cut it up and basically kind of jury rig it. So I'm able to use certain parts of it. And that saved me a lot of time in designing fixtures, milling fixtures. So now I'm basically, I have fixtures for pretty much everything. Um, and I'm just printing now, which is great. That's badass. Yeah. So it's now gone from printing like f like the front face of a figure. Like instead of doing five at a time, I'm doing anywhere from 20 to 30 at a time. Um, 
and just everything's just at least doubled, if not tripled or 5x or 10x. Um, and so it's it's an interesting problem. And I've talked to a couple guys um, on Instagram. I think it was JSP and then Jake. We're all running into the problem of like our stuff selling out so quickly. And I joke with all of them. I'm like, it's such a first world problem, right? Like, you know, keeping <laughs> keeping stuff in stock. But it really is because I think all of us were running into the problem of we're spending so much time keeping old products in stock, but we're getting frustrated because we, we're tired of restocking. We want to make new stuff. We want to, you know, make new products. And so it's kind of this weird balance. And I know I was talking to a couple of the guys and they're just like, yeah, we're upping our like minimum quantity of parts to make. And I was like, you know, I'm doing that too. But then people are bitching and moaning that's like, oh, well, that's not lean. And I'm like, well, it kind of is lean in certain aspects of it that I'm not having to restock every week. Now it's every right. two months. And I'm like, I think that's much more of a win to have a little more money in inventory than having to constantly be printing the same damn thing. Yeah, totally. Yeah, I know uh, I was talking to Jake a little bit too because I picked up one of his new handles and like those things sold out in 15 minutes or something like that. Yeah. I don't that know how a... many of them he made, but it's ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah, it was it was awesome. And it came in and it's like, I, I'm super, super happy. I can't wait to shave with it. Of course, like I shaved the day before. I oh, yeah. <laughs> and I was like, damn it. I really wanted to try this. Yep, got to um, wait. <laughs> yeah. But like the, the new top caps and the new handles look fantastic. So if, if you guys are out there wondering, definitely scoop one up next time he drops a, a set because the, the handle is like, it's got to be three times heavier than the standard handle too. Yeah. Like I was not anticipating that. I told him, I was like, Oh yeah, you know, I anticipated a smaller one, but like not the, the, the weight. And it's like, it's, it's a cool piece for sure. Yeah. So but yeah, it seems like all you guys are having that same issue where you're like, Oh, I'll, I'll be conservative and, you know, make what I think I can sell. And then it's like gone. It's, it's, I don't know what the right word is. It is kind of frustrating, but it's also awesome at the same time. Cause it's like, I mean, I just get so tired of printing or molding the same parts. And that's why it's like, I'm excited for this new release. Cause I've never made these parts before. And like there's new challenges and there's just, it's going to be a new part number and just all that stuff. So I'm trying to, my goal is to get that new product release um, next Friday, along with, try i'm gonna try real hard to print everything i have by next friday as well um, oh snap so because it would be really nice to have basically the whole my whole website to be back in stock that'd be kind of nice um and so when people go to buy the new stuff they can also get some of the old stuff that they might not have had um and then to even add on top of that i got a new production mold that i was posting about um, I saw. And that's for another product release. And I didn't know. So I got the tracking number for that mold. And I think it was what? It was yesterday? Yeah. And I called them, the shipping company. I'm like, just to make sure this is coming on a truck with a lift gate. Because I have no way of getting this, you know, couple hundred pound mold, like, off of a truck. If, like, I don't have a forklift or anything. And they're like, yeah, yeah. And I was like... By the way, it's coming today, you guys said, which was like out of the blue. And they're like, yeah, it's coming today. And then within 30 minutes of that phone call, I see the truck. And I'm just like, oh, it's here. <laughs> um, 
And so that kind of like reset what I was going to do for yesterday. Cause then I got all excited about that. Um, and so open that up, I've got it mounted into my machine and now I'm, I'm running into this other problem. So I, it's, it's a dumb problem. It's not a dumb problem, but it, I don't know why I never thought of it. So I'm running into some problems running the parts on this mold, which I expected. It's a new mold, new process, right? Um, uh -huh. And so I don't know how much time I'm willing to dedicate to get this running. And then my other problem is, so I know the two problems and I know I could probably fix them, but how much time is that going to take? I don't know. And could I actually fix it myself? I don't know. And then the next question to that is, if this molds up and running in my machine, I still, people always say like, oh, injection molding is like printing money. I, I think most people know that's not the case at all. I mean, even like Danny could attest to like Swiss machining, like, oh, set it in, forget it. Like, yeah, for some stuff, maybe, but you're always going to have that worry in the back of your head to some extent. And I just would hate to have to sit and babysit this mold while it's running and I've got like 60,000 parts I have to make with it for this release. Ooh. So that's like a week of babysitting and I don't want to do that. And so now I'm looking and I talked to my buddy that has a molding shop three hours away from me. And I was like, could you run these parts for me at this price? And the price I gave him was like really low. Like I was like, if he says yes to this price, then like I'm letting him run this because that's like my cost. And he said yes to it just now. <laughs> and so the only reason I bring that up and it's kind of a bummer because I would like to run the parts, but the way I look at it is the lesson I'm learning here is, okay, I don't have to deal with the setup of the mold. I don't have to deal with the maintenance of the mold. I don't have to deal with the stress and the babysitting and I'm getting parts at basically like material cost. Why wouldn't I have him do all that? while I can keep printing and not be taken away from that task. And then by the end of next week, I could also have that release done. Yeah, that'd be awesome. And so it sucks that you spent, you know, part of today or most of today setting it up, but yeah, still. I mean, it's just like, where do I want to spend my time and where is it most valuable? And it's like printing. I can't offload as of right now, the molding, like, Sure, I could pay a friend to like babysit it, but like, why? Like, just like, I just need to get these done. I mean, this 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 one release has been overdue for a very long time, so it just needs to happen. So, is this new production mold a old product that is coming back, or is this a whole new product line? It is four new parts, completely new. That's awesome. Yeah. So between that, the weapons all the printing, like there's going to be a lot of Lego related products coming out. That's awesome, man. That's super exciting. Yeah, it's I'm excited. Like I said, some of the stuff, especially for the production mold, like I've had the plastic for so long, like this, you have to get I wanted to color match some of Lego's colors because Yes, you can get like a booklet that's like, oh, these are the plastic pellets you can get in all these different colors. But Lego has their own unique colors. And for some of these parts, they need to match exactly. Otherwise, like, what's the point? If um, I can't give I can't give too much else away. Otherwise, it'd give away the product. But <laughs> it's got to match. And so I had some Lego parts sent to a lab 
and they can color coat or color match it and get me ABS pellet colorant. And so I spent probably $3,000 getting stuff color matched and a bunch of colorant that's going to last me like a lifetime. But I've had that for probably six months to a year. And so it's just like all these things. I'm just like, this just project just needs to, I need parts. I need to start selling it. Like I can't be waiting. Yeah. Well, I mean, it, it sounds like, yeah, like you said, as much as you'd like to run that yourself, like it, if your buddy could do it for your cost, like there's no reason for you to do that, especially if you're in a bind or you like want to get it out quick. Yeah. I mean, 60,000 parts. That's just like the starting quantity I'm giving him. I mean, he's probably going to make over a, probably over a hundred thousand, if not a quarter of a million parts, because, you know, once he's set up, he's just going to run it. Does he, so is, is it just him or is, does he have employees too? Oh no, he's got probably 10, 15 employees. That's awesome then. I mean, like yeah. if he can do it and pay, pay his people for your cost, like, that's even better. Yeah. I mean, he, I called him cause I was trying to troubleshoot it with him over text and he's like, sorry, I just got off the, um, or not off the phone. He was like, I'm just with the inspector. Cause he built just like a, is it, I think it's 40,000 square foot shop that he's upgrading from like 2000 to 40,000. And he just wired up like eight injection molding machines. And I was just like, Jesus. <laughs> wow. Yeah. That's so. nuts. It's that is nice. So how's uh the rest of the business stuff going? Like do, have you had anybody pack orders off your new tickets? Have you set up um being able to print labels from your phone? How how's all that stuff going? Labels no, but I haven't packed an order in probably a week. Oh, really? Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, so I just have one more sheet of inventory I have to uh a written down sheet of different products in the quantities I have to update and double check on Shopify. And then I'm pretty sure everything is inventoried. It is exact quantities. And just to test it, a couple things went out of stock um, while packing orders and we double checked the website and, you know, yes, it is marked as zero. We have no extras. Okay. You know, we either discontinue that product or it just sits for out of stock for, a restock and so everything's accurate up to date um i'm trying to think yeah that's pretty much seamless now that's awesome oh um the other thing i was saying so last time we talked i mentioned that zapier has integrations with shopify and what i realized is that unless shopify is a premium app you might be able to use zapier to do a rough inventory management until you buy the add-in. Okay. Cause you could have it. I, I'm sure that in the spot of, or not the Spotify, the Shopify integration, <laughs> um, that you can like have it email you when a quantity gets low. Okay. Or something like that. So that might be worth looking into. I'm, I'm bringing it up right now, but, uh, I'm sure one of the triggers is like, you could probably set a threshold and then have it trigger that integration. Okay. Yeah. That's kind of the next step. Cause I'm going to, like I said, I got to update a couple more quantities. There's a couple little things I want to fix in kind of the process of packing orders, but then I want to give it like a week or two of being the process being used to iron out any other bugs. And then my next step is to start doing that inventory levels. 
Nice. Yeah, I think that'll be super helpful for you. Yeah, I'm excited. And it's it's going to definitely put me to the test with all these new product SKUs coming into play in the next couple of weeks and just everything. That's great, though, that you're not packing that stuff anymore. I mean, that, that should be quite a bit off your plate. I know that packing has always been kind of a, a sore spot in your operation for you. I mean, yeah, it's just one of those things, right? It's just me and it's like, now I can keep printing or I can keep designing molds or I, you know, I can just keep doing the, you know, one, the things that I enjoy more and two, the things that I can't really have anyone else do. Right. Yeah, totally. Uh, that's awesome. Yeah. So other than that, like I was telling you earlier, I'm just kind of like, now it's just kind of like working, like I'm just doing stuff now. <laughs> that's super cool, man. I'm, I'm really pumped to hear that. Yeah. And it's nice, I'm sure, to get back to machining a little bit, especially since it's your own stuff. Yeah. And it's just nice to, I'm reprogramming. I've had this, like, for these molds, I have to, like, profile them, face them, chamfer, and do a couple holes, some basic stuff, and then the cavity work. But that prep work is already programmed, and I have a thing on the machine, a program loaded up. But, a couple parts of it I don't like and I like slow down with the feed rates because I was going kind of aggressive when I first programmed it and just like little things like that. Um, but I reprogrammed it and I just got to post it and reload the new program just so I don't have to worry about that. So just little things like that I'm trying to fix. Awesome. Yeah. I mean, that, that's something in the future that you can definitely more or less automate too. Oh, um, yeah. Like you could have a orange palette or something like that that already has the mighty bite talon grips or something like that to load raw stock in and then flip over and you know prep like a bunch of molds where it so are these molds for your manual machine then yeah okay yeah so they're they're pretty quick pretty easy i mean i get excited when i see an eight hour cycle time let's put it that way yeah yeah i've had a, a few longer run times on the parts I'm running right now. And like, usually I like getting things done pretty quick, but like having that extra time is also nice. Like I got some reading done. I've set up some other jobs and run them just little stuff like that. It is definitely a nice, nice difference. Yeah. So I guess speaking of reading, should we do the, the book club segment? So we can either do it now, or I was thinking we could hold off till the end. So anybody who hasn't caught up yet can end the podcast early and then come back and listen to the book club segment at the end. Fair enough. So slackers, if you didn't do your homework. Yeah. <laughs> it seems like a lot of people ha have really enjoyed it. So, um, but uh, I was thinking we'll do maybe a little bit more reading this next time. We did 80 pages this time. I was thinking a little more than that. Cause it seems like a lot of people are champing at the bit to, read more like i was getting messages like a week ago like what are you guys going to talk about it i want to keep reading and i'm like oh sorry you know we're not there yet it was actually funny because i read 10 pages a day just because you know and i think it was yesterday or last night like i exactly ended on like where we're supposed to stop so i was like oh this is perfect oh nice yeah i i had completely spaced it i was worried I about that <laughs> yeah I picked it up Sunday and read, I don't know, three quarters of what we had to. And then I just finished it actually just before we got on. I was wondering um, about that. <laughs> yeah, I, I had like 10 pages left and I was like, can we start 15 minutes late? I need to finish this. 
Um, no, that. But, okay, yeah, we'll stop talking about the book. I could keep going. Yeah, yeah, that. yeah. We'll, we'll talk at the end because um, I I forgot how much I liked it. So we'll, we'll definitely talk about it. Um, all right. Well, we, we can jump into questions then. We've got a, a couple. Um, I posted late because I knew we'd have quite a few other things to talk about. Yeah. Um. So the first two, I feel like the ones from uh, Josh Hacko and Henry Holsters, we might want to wait on until we talk about the book too, because they're along those lines of the, the chapters we just read. But um, I, I guess we can talk about them now. It doesn't matter. So Josh Hacko from Nicholas Hacko Watch Company um, asked or wanted a discussion of making tools versus buying tools. And uh, Andrew Henry from Henry Holsters also asked, you know, how do you assess the value of things you could buy versus make versus improve in the shop? Um, and like he was, you know, giving examples not only of like the the cost value or the opportunity cost, but like the emotional value of like making little improvements that feel very big. Um, and so I thought it was really funny that they both asked those questions independently of each other. And they're like very much on the same wavelength today. So would an example be like you 3D printing your nozzle, your air nut, air gun nozzle holder, like something like that? Um, I think for like what uh, Andrew was talking about, yeah, those little things like that or like, you know, uh, putting a patch over like a kick panel that you're constantly tripping over or, you know, like for me, like my lights, like yeah. was a little like, you know, cost wise cost me. I don't know. I, I think I've got $80 in lights or like 100 bucks on lights. But like an overall happiness, every single day I'm in the shop, I am a thousand percent more happy. I'm like, holy crap, I can see everything. And like now Brad and I are both just light ad addicted. And like we're like, OK, well, maybe we could put a light over there <laughs> and like chain it to this one. And we could just keep, keep adding lights. It's like we could just panel light the entire room for still just less. Cut than the roof off. <laughs> Um, if I would love skylights, like if, if I want to find a, a shop with skylights next for sure. I can, I just, uh, it just clicked for me why this can tie into the book. Um, and that kind of goes into, I think, cause Andrew's asking like, how do you, what's the value of this? And my answer would be like, for example, your example being the lights, like that's, you can't put a value on that. Like that, that had to have happened, right? Like at some point, um, and so it's priceless. And the way this could kind of tie into the book, I think at least would be the whole idea of, I think this is just a cost of doing business. Like that's right. Is it, a, is it an operational cost or does it help your throughput? I think both. Right. Or throughput. Um, so yeah, it, it's um, personally like I, if I'm making a tool, it's not because I need it for business usually. Like the, the lapping plates are a, a prime example. Like I don't need them. I want to make them because I think it looks like a fun experience. And like, I, I want to make parts shine. It's, but if I needed to lap something, like if I had customer work that required lapping, I'd just buy a freaking lapping machine and not look back. Um, just because it's every time I've tried to like half-ass something like that and been like, oh, well, I can just like get by with this you know not great solution you know what i've ended up buying the better solution in the long run anyway yeah i mean i'm trying to think of an example i don't know like a deburring tool would you rather just you know try to get your way through deburring the backside of a hole or just spend the money and get like one of those backside deburring tools like i think it really depends on 
I mean, there's just so many angles to that. It's like, is your shop busy? Like, do you want to get the job done right? And do you want to get it done now? Then just buy the tool. Do you have some free time? Do you want to play around and make a fun tool? Then do that. Um, I mean, if you're just a hobbyist, then I would probably just make everything, right? Because you learn and it'd be cheaper. Um, yeah, yeah, just, yeah. You know, if you're not making money on it, then of course make the tool. Yeah. But like if you're you will almost never make money making a tool for a job that you're trying to make money on. No, like you will end up like scrapping a part or crashing your machine or doing something stupid or, or screwing up your fixture or not your fixture, but you're like, you're, you're like, let's say you were trying to make it some kind of tool holder. Like, unless you can't find it online, just buy it. Cause you'll like, they are experts in making whatever they're making. You are not the expert. Um, so you'll get a better product from them 90% of the time. Um, but as far as like improvement, sh like shop improvements, I think quality of life improvements are like the best thing as a business owner or, or somebody who works in a shop. Like the the whole five second lean thing that Paul Akers talks about or three second lean, whatever he, it is. Um, that is like so important. It's just the little things like, oh, I moved my trash can five feet closer to me and I don't have to walk there every day. And, you know, I've saved myself like a thousand steps a week. Or something like that, you know, like those little things are just so big when you're day in, day out, day out trying to like grind um, and get stuff done. Yeah, I think I totally forgot what I was going to say about Andrew's point. But as far as making tools, like I've just learned it's just with everything. Like if someone wants a one off part, there's a setup fee. And if they want 50 of the same parts, there's still that setup fee. But guess what? It's the same price. But, you know extrapolated out over 50 parts versus one part and these companies that make end mills calipers deburring tools all this they've done that setup that's why they like that's just how products are made like you can't come to me and get a custom lego figure printed for the same price i sell them for on my website because i'm already making them there's a setup there's a process already dialed in for that specific item it could be whatever um and so that's kind of my thought on that. Like I would just buy a tool and then Andrew, what was I going to say about that? The value things you can make. Um, I can't remember, but yeah, I agree that it's just, Oh, that's what I was going to say with every, I'm going to relate this to product creation. Cause that's kind of what I'm going through lately is with every new product you make, or you want to bring to market or every job shop part you're doing or, even you could even simplify it to the point where every day you go to work, it's that day or that part or that project, that's a process. And to get to point A to B, you know, everybody knows. And if you don't think this, then something's wrong with you. There's going to be hiccups. There's going to be um, problems that come up. And so it's how do you overcome those? And shoot, where was I going with this? <laughs> um, oh, is you have to... You have to know that going into these things. And so doing those little improvements along the way, everything's a process is what I'm trying to get at. You know, you know, me printing parts or you machining titanium, it's all a process. And we have to know that there are going to be these problems and we should already be ready to do those small improvements and kind of build that into our thought process. Like we shouldn't be, I shouldn't, when I'm printing parts and I'm like, oh, if I, move my trash can over here or whatever. It's going to speed up parts. Like I need to know that 
that's going to be things that come up. I'm going to have to just be ready to do that and not be like, oh, shoot, I have to move the trash can. Like, you know, you have to. That's just part of what we do. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. And I, I think that I think a lot of the times people get lost in the weeds and like they're like, oh, well, I don't have time to do that. And it's like a lot of the times you will feel better if you just take the five or 10 minutes, even if it's like a half an hour, um, unless you are like 35 minutes from your ship window, um, take the 30 minutes and, and do your little improvement because you'll feel better at the end of it. It'll be done. Um, so you can check that off your box for the day. And then like you'll reap the benefits immediately too. Like I, I, I don't know how many times I've just like stopped what I'm doing. And I'm like, I just need to take care of this. Like I need to, you know, even sometimes it's just like, I just need to do, do the chores. Like I need to take out the trash because I keep throwing stuff on top and it just keeps falling out or something like that. But like, it's the little things that as a business owner, um, that emotional load that we all carry, I think is, it's really influenced by like our, our work environment. And so if you can improve that, it's, it's super helpful. Yeah. Um, so Ferrotech asked, can anything be done to keep chips off tool tapers in an umbrella tool changer? Um, I don't have one. You don't have one. I have seen people put brushes on the inside of like the upper shell so that it prevents chips from coming up through there. I've seen that too. Uh, we actually had to do that in the, the tool change door on our deuce on at work too, or I, I still haven't done it because they haven't given me time to, but I ordered the stuff for it because on the new do songs, they have a chip door there, but on the old ones, it's just open. And like, we all of a sudden started scrapping parts and we were like, what is going on? And then we noticed that there was, uh, chips getting on the tapers and then getting shoved into the spindle. Yeah. And so, yeah, I, I totally empathize with you It is a giant pain. Um, I would just look on McMaster for like some flexible brush strips and, uh, you know, screw them or something to the inside there so that like, you're not looking for them to like brush the tapers off. Cause that's not going to work, but you're just looking for some kind of chip intrusion protection more or less. Yeah. I, I run into the same problem with how bad the tool changer is designed on my machine. And I, that it honestly worries me too much. Um, and I want to add maybe like a wash down like hose that just points at like, like the pocket or like, I don't know something. And that was a question I was actually going to ask you is because on your machine, you have that chip blaster, whatever 9,000 they call it. Right. Huh? Like the wash down, like it just like, <laughs> like, right. Like all the, Oh yeah. 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 yeah so yeah, there's a little nozzle mounted just behind the spindle that, uh, it does the tool taper wash. Okay. And so that makes, <laughs> that makes your tool taper. Yeah. Yeah, the chip, chip blaster 9,000. No, no, no. Let me finish. It gets <laughs> even better. I'm doing the Paul Akers 69 second lean here. Okay. Um, <laughs> so your tool taper is going to get wet, right? <laughs> uh-huh yeah, yeah yeah that's not the coolant this sounds so dumb but like because mine doesn't have anything like that and so the tool tapers always go in like completely dry but i've accidentally like hit the coolant button and my tool tapers just get completely soaked and they go up into the spindle that's like it doesn't hurt anything i would assume no it should well i mean it's like a, a super tight fitting taper so i'm guessing most of it gets pushed out anyway as it seals. that's what i figured um, like the, obviously there's low spots and stuff between the mating surfaces, but yeah, it, I mean, if through spindle coolant is a thing, obviously coolant like on the taper of the tool and on the pulse set is not going to hurt anything. 
Okay, yeah, I need to install something then. I need the fucking Cool Blaster 9069. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, even just like like I said, putting brushes um, on the side of your, like where your tools come out, I bet would help. Um, just like some kind of little curtain of brushes to, to block chips would definitely help get things getting up into that, that magazine. It also sucks with how sticky that residue from Qualichem is, and it just makes chips stick in the worst spots. Yeah, yeah, it really is sticky. Like, I've been running my coolant extra high, too, um, for the titanium, and, like, everything is sticky. <laughs> but, it, you know, it, it works. I'm Oh, that was the other thing. I don't. Did I mention that I, I got the coolant mixer on the podcast? Uh, I don't know. Oh, so I um, what was his name? Nikolai, I think his name is on the Discord. Um, somebody mentioned like, oh, what are you guys doing for cooling or coolant mixing? And I mentioned that I was using a paint mixer, and he was like, I don't know why anybody doesn't use just like a, a hose attachment uh, Venturi mixer. And I was like. Well, you know, like there are a few reasons, like the paint mixer is five bucks. The coolant one that I got is $200. But at the same time, I was like for 200 bucks to never have to mix a five gallon and pour it in again and just like hook my hose up to it. I was like, that's that's worth it. And so I got it's a Graz G-R-O-Z one. Um, I got the yellow one, which is zero. The, the gauge says zero to nine percent, um, but it varies completely on what your hose is putting out as far as pressure um but so like my nine percent or the nine position on the dial is ten percent for me got it so i got i it's almost not good enough but uh yeah it's nikolai on uh, i don't know his instagram but he's on the discord um but anyway i got it and it's like so fantastic like filling up 10 or 15 gallons of coolant when my coolant runs low it's just like oh i just plug in the hose and turn it on and then watch the gauge and when it's done it's done like there's no more mixing there's no more spilling on the ground no more carton a five gallon thing around um but it's super super awesome and like i i still put the gras in a five gallon bucket you can buy a two inch npt um like standoff fitting and then i just screwed that into the top of a five gallon pail lid and the thing just sits in there and, and works perfectly random side tangent because you're talking about something you got i got mm-hmm. a new chair for my like office room i got one of those really nice gaming chairs oh yeah we got to talk about that i saw you post that and we had talked about it like a month and a half ago or something yeah like it was that. a while ago and i figured it's worth spending like 175 bucks or $200 or whatever it was because I'm sitting so much of the day. So I'm like, it's better than my $25 chair. So And do you like it? Give me another week. I really like it. But one thing that's really annoying is this thing can recline almost completely flat and I've been falling asleep. <laughs> Oh my goodness. <laughs> not okay. Not okay, let me that. let me let me clarify. I'm not reclining it to a full parallel to the ground and then falling asleep. I'm just letting you guys know it can't do that, but I'm falling asleep at like a 90 degree angle. So it's just super comfortable then. Yeah. And it's like, it's like a racing chair. So it kind of like cups the sides of your body. A racing chair. Yeah. <laughs> For all those chair races down the yeah. hall. Yeah. 
And then it's also <laughs> got like speakers in it. And I'm like, oh my God. What? Yeah. Come on. Yeah, that's got this little pillow thing and everything. <laughs> oh my goodness. What uh what brand is it? It's GT Racing. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean Come like on. the freaking like what is it? Like in NASCARs or whatever? I don't know, like freaking fast cars, like how the chairs what do you mean? Yeah, like side bolsters. Yeah. yeah. Told you I don't know anything about cars. Yeah, you're not wrong. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I'm looking at it right now online. Yeah, it, it does look like a, a racing seat. Yeah, <laughs> screw you. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that's uh that is funny. Yeah, it's but... it's a beast. Okay. All right. Well, well anyway, I'll bug you. Oh yeah, you have 170 degrees of reclining. That's insane. Oh wow, it really is. <laughs> yeah, it is almost 100 percent flat. That's um, awesome. I <laughs> I feel like I would fall over in that thing. No, I've done it. <laughs> I've done it. I didn't feel All safe, right. but I did it. Okay. <laughs> T5 Manufacturing asks favorite watch to wear when working. Uh, I'm not really a watch guy in general, and especially when working, I don't wear anything. Yeah, I I don't I think I have one watch. I've had like a few watches gifted to me over the years. Um, but nothing nothing that I, I like it. I just don't wear one. Like I use the one on my phone more than anything, or like the one on my machine if I need to know the time. But my hands are constantly like in and out of coolant yep. and in and out of like all kinds of garbage. And the last thing I would want to do is destroy a nice or even like a, a shitty watch. Yeah, um, I agree. Like even my my whoop strap, I ended up getting the bicep strap for it because I was constantly like taking it on and off or like worrying about which hand I put in where. Um, and so, yeah, I, I just I don't wear anything pretty much elbows down. I like want to keep clear because I know at some point uh, I'm a dirty machinist and I'm just going to end up with garbage all over me. That and I've just heard too many horror stories. Yeah. Yeah. Getting pulled into like manual. Oh, my and God. Stuff like that. Yeah. We don't even need to go down that. Yeah. Um, Ibrez says kickflips, question mark. Where you at? <laughs> Non-existent with a kickflip. Jesus. <laughs> well, how's uh, how's skateboarding in general going? I haven't been out in a while, but I'm definitely like. If you would, I guess, what's the way to put it? When I bought my skateboard, being scared to step on it, I'm no longer there. Like I can comfortably like just get on and off it and kind of scoot around. Um and turn and i don't know what the what the move is where you like you lean back and you swivel and you pivot like 180 so you can like turn around and stuff i don't know nice all right well i mean that's a big step though like not feeling like you're going to eat shit every single time you step on the board is uh a big big step for sure yeah it didn't help that i went to the skate park the other day really late at night too like one in the morning okay and like there's like these eight year olds that are just shredding it up. And I'm just like, this is so embarrassing. And like they come up and they talk to me and they're like, they're like asking me all these questions and stuff. They're like, can you do any tricks? And I'm like, yeah, getting on the board. And they're like, I've been skating, blah, blah, blah. I've been skating for this long, blah, blah, blah. And I'm just like, oh my God. And one of them, one of them comes up and he goes, or no, I asked them, I'm like, how old are you guys? And they're like seven. One's like eight. One's like, I'm nine. I'm nine. And I'm like, oh, God. And <laughs> they go, how old are you? And I go, I'm 20. And their eyes got the size of like my fist. 
Um, <laughs> and they're like, you're just learning how to skate. And I'm like, yeah. Oh, and, wow. And no, 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 no. It gets oh, even shit. better. It gets better. And they go, one of them goes, this, I, this made me laugh so hard. He goes, well, that's okay because you're going to have kids soon and they'll be able to skate soon. Oh <laughs> my God. And I was like, whoa. <laughs> I'm like wow. not having kids anytime soon. <laughs> that's like, I didn't come to the skate park at 1 a.m. to get roasted. Yeah. I'm going home. Yeah. And so I was talking to like their parents and everything. I was like, God damn. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Oh man. That is good stuff i am so <laughs> glad that he asked that question <laughs> oh my god uh, i'm dead <laughs> all right so the last two questions came from our discord so um a, a few of you you know have joined the instant machinist discord we created a within tolerance one just for you know the book club and for all of us to kind of uh be able to talk about it like we have we've got a page for the book club we've got a page for questions a general one a place to introduce yourself all that stuff uh head over to our instagram the link in the bio goes there and you can join up and uh you know talk about the book and all that stuff but the last two were from mike on the discord and he asked real quick i'll, I'll answer it again what do i use for book or what do we use for bookkeeping um and then what do you recommend for someone starting out and so you still do your books by hand right yeah google sheets Okay, and then I use, currently I'm using Xero. Um, when I first started out, and definitely what I recommend, unless it's changed drastically in the last year, is Wave Apps. Um, and it's totally free. It's got, there, I mean, there's no like quoting engine or anything like that, but you can create quotes, you can create invoices, you can keep track of customers. Um, it, it's more or less a full-fledged accounting system. You just it's not like super ideal for manufacturing. Like it, it's, there's a lot of, not a lot of customization, but there's some customization that I wanted that I didn't have at the level, like at the free level at least. And I was like, well, if I'm going to pay for something, uh, I want something that integrates better. And at, at the time I was like, oh, zero will integrate with my bank account. And then, so then I can use um, authorized.net to accept credit card payments. And then they screwed me on that, but I'm still digging zero um so yeah if, if you're gonna go for something definitely check out wave apps it's free it's easy to use and i, I definitely recommend it yeah i've played um, with quickbooks but eh. yeah i i have never used quickbooks but like everyone i talk to is like if you're not already in quickbooks don't go to quickbooks they're pretty like, much uh, <laughs> Yeah, I can't remember what the company that owns QuickBooks is, but like everybody's like they're just garbage and they like don't seem to like their customers and they don't are they're they're not helpful or anything like that. So I and granted, I'm kind of seeing that from zero too with the whole integration thing falling apart. But um, at the same time, I really like their mobile app. Like I can reconcile invoices and all that mo uh, from my phone, um, and it's easy to use. And like more and more accountants are starting to get on board with it. So. It's it's good and it's not that expensive either for what it is. I, I can't remember what I pay, but it's it's not terribly expensive. Um, and then the last question was from Josh T. And he said, "What questions did I ask my bookkeeper before I hired him, and what should I I have asked them?" Um, and to the first one, I did not ask them anything. Uh, I was like, "Hey, Brad, you take care of this. Find us a bookkeeper." And they found us a, a bookkeeper that specializes in small business accounting and all that. And I probably should have like, 
at first we were just using them as tax people and like i don't really care if you know if, if they do a good job i don't really care where i go for that but before hiring them recently for doing my books monthly i probably should have like dug into more maybe not dug into more but like just seen how many manufacturing companies they actually deal with and things like that um I think I, I, we talked about me hiring them to do my books monthly and then they did nothing for two months, like at all. Whoa. And I was just about to call them. Like they're not charging me for anything either. Cause I haven't done any work, but I was literally just complaining last night to Brad about it. I was like, they haven't done anything. I'm gonna have to call them. I, this is BS. And then I looked and they had reconciled all of my accounts and I was like, well, shit, I can't do that now. Like, <laughs> <laughs> so I'm gonna have to email her or call her and, and kind of lay things out and be like, listen, I want these done within the first week of the month, like so that I can actually have data and I'm not waiting three months for it. And like, granted, I know she has been absolutely slammed with COVID stuff because so many people filed their taxes late. And um, like I, the last time we talked to her, which is what a month ago, she was like still dealing with tax stuff. And so I'm sure she still is. Um, but still, it was just, it was frustrating. And I, I think I maybe I, I, I'm going to take ownership for it. Like it was definitely I should have gone in with a more clear cut. Like this is when I need it done. This is what I need done. And instead of just going in and being much more loose with that. So, um, yeah, I would just be very clear with like what you want out of the bookkeeper and make sure that they can do that and make sure. I think if I was choosing again, I would look for somebody who specializes or deals with a lot of manufacturing companies. Yeah, makes sense. Um, so yeah, that wraps up questions. All right, ladies and, and gentlemen, take your seat. Class is in session. <laughs> so first 10 chapters. First thing I wanted to ask you, are you liking it? Did, did it live up to the hype that I gave it? I'll be honest. I'm kind of confused what this book's getting at. Okay. Like I'm understanding like the stage is set. Like I understand what's happening, but like, I feel like when I'm reading this, I'm definitely like, what's the word? Like, um, like I'm envisioning like just people and like, like, you know how everyone makes their paints their own picture in their head. Like I'm definitely doing that really hard with this book, but like, I'm just like, okay, we get it. Like this, this company is going to like go bankrupt. Like, okay. I just read 90 pages of like, we understand you're going bankrupt. Like what, it, what are we getting at here? Um, I did bookmark the page where that one guy talked about like the three measurement rules or whatever, um, mm -hmm. which is interesting. I thought that that whole concept was very interesting. And I was trying to like think about, okay, how could I apply this to like me um, and my company? Um, I don't know. Well, so the, Big thing and going back to like uh, Josh Hacko's question and, and Andrew's question, unless you're investing in something that is like emotionally investing for you, like as a business owner, what the book is saying, at least to me, is that you should be thinking of all improvements or all things that you're spending money on um, as operational expenses. And does this get me closer to selling inventory? So it's like, like a if, way of um screening what you're doing yeah yeah i mean like if you're not if you're doing something that you you're like oh this makes me more productive and it's like does it really though right ask yourself those questions like has it lowered my operating costs at all has it made me sell anymore 
um, or has it reduced my inventory? If it hasn't done any of those three, it is not helping you as a business. Um, again, outside of emotional involvements of like quality of life things, but like big, big upgrades. Like if I, I don't know, bought an ERP, for example, and it doesn't help me sell more or it doesn't reduce my operational costs, it probably wouldn't reduce my inventory anyway. Um, then there's no reason like it's not an actual improvement. And I actually see this. I, I, I feel like as small businesses, maybe some people will see it less. But like I at my day job, I see this stuff all the time. Oh, where like we're they're like trying to make people work even when we shouldn't be working on that. And it's like, you know what? People can like hang out like, you know, like he has that that whole thing where he like passes the guys reading the newspaper and he's like, you know, gets them back to work. And it's like, well, did it actually help the bottom line? Like, did it actually make them any more money or are we just paying them now to do nothing? Yeah. So um, I, I think that there's, there's a lot more from here on out. Um, like when he starts talking to Jonah more, um, but like it, a, a big part of it is, yeah. Asking yourself those three questions and, and really narrowing down improvements on if they are actually improvements or not, or just like ways for your accountant or for, you know, you, you to feel better in your head about what you're doing. No, that's, I'm glad you said that. And I'm glad that we're doing this because if I was just reading this book off of your recommendation, I'd be like, what the, what the hell am I reading? But like, that's, <laughs> I'm glad we're doing this because we got to do something different for the next week because I know people are listening to our conversations, but maybe we can have a separate question thing where people ask maybe in the discord we can have a channel i know we have a channel for the book club but maybe a different one for questions where people can say like you know get our input or you know maybe give a statement like what do you think about this i don't know just get some more interaction because i mean we me and you can only talk about this for so long um and yeah, yeah. i like getting your opinion but i'd also like five other people's opinions right um Totally. And yeah. so, well, and I, I can bring up some of the uh, not questions, but like people talking about it. it's like Mike on the discord was saying, like, uh, he's curious how close this is to a real manufacturing plant. And like this is I mean, I don't have robots and don't make lights or whatever at, at where I work. But like a lot of the pitfalls that he's starting to see in these beginning chapters are rampant throughout every single company I've ever worked in where like it the way my boss used to put it. And so like, I, I used to get in trouble at my first job because I would have like two or three machines running and be on my phone. And like our manual machinist slash shop foreman would like come and bitch me out because I was on my phone and like, you know, Oh, you stupid millennial, blah, blah, blah. Just like <laughs> get back to work. And I'm like, dude, I'm making more money than you sitting on my ass right now because I have three machines running than you will make all day. Yeah. Like, what are you talking about? And the way that my boss used to put it, he said, it's not the evil you're doing. It's the appearance of evil. And like, I feel like a lot of companies slip into that pitfall of like, oh, well, it looks like nobody's being productive. But like, there's that, again, that, that thing where he makes those guys who are reading newspapers and, and talking get back to work. And then he's like, well, they're the oddballs out. Like most people are working hard. There is work getting done. It's not like people are lazy. They just didn't have anything to do at that second. Um, I guess it's so. just weird two-sided coin because there's also companies that can people can be running around looking like it's a productive company but at, at the end of the day like nothing gets shipped right yeah yeah exactly 
Um, and, and yeah, Machinist Brett on the Discord also said the same thing. He said, it's, it's made me think about what metrics we are using to measure the shop performance with uh, throughput. I frequently said, I don't understand what this has to do with anything other than prove that we're not sitting around all day. And like, there are so many metrics that are like that. Like right now, currently at my day job, I am responsible for every single Monday emailing our production manager, our machine uptime numbers. And it's like, that means nothing. Like the percentage that where machines are running. Who cares? Means nothing. Well, and, and like, what if our machinist put it so well? He's like, if I'm running a two minute op and it takes me one minute to load it, he's like, I have a lower uptime than a, something that runs super long. He's like, so we're at odds. Like we want to lower run times, but we're also tracking machine uptime. And he's like, those, those will always be at odds. Like as you improve jobs, the machine uptime goes down. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, you're totally right. You should tell your boss about that. That's a great point. Yeah. Cause at the end of the day, like how many parts went out versus your machine time, I would think would be better. Right. Exactly. I think that that that's one reason that I really wanted to push this book as our first book is I think that it really sets the stage for like, you know, maybe we're looking at the wrong things. Like, and I feel like, you know, other books that I've read, build upon this idea of like, maybe we need to step back and, and figure out what actual priorities are for a business and then start there. Um, like the E-Myth talks about some of those things too. Um, but I, I think that this one, like I really like the way the story conveys those things in, in a way that I think a lot of people who work in industry or work in their own shops will understand. No, yeah, I started reading it and I, I had no idea that it was about a manufacturing plant. And so they started talking about like, machinists and nc machines and setups and i was like oh okay like this is good <laughs> oh yeah. yeah yeah exactly i mean it's like super old day machines oh yeah still, i'm just picturing like a cool. bunch of like tape reader machines i don't even know oh I, I think that's exactly what it is um and like him talking about like oh the the really expensive vp car is like a sixty thousand dollar mercedes yeah and like you know the the or his secretary is like super shocked at that and like nowadays i'd be like oh that's like a 150 or 200 thousand dollar mclaren or something like yeah. that you know like that that's you can tell the uh inflation that has gone on since this book was written oh yeah 100 percent um another thing that got brought up on the discord was uh mike said he's slowly growing his little side gig and if he uses jonah's terms it seems that he uses a lot of his profit to upgrade and get new equipment and operational expense as his throughput uh, or throughput increases, but they really should be indirect decreased operational expenses and increased throughput. Is that a problem or do all small businesses go through this? And I think that all small businesses have to go through that. Like you're either bootstrapping like crazy and barely making ends or like barely making the jobs go out or you're reinvesting and like have really high operational expenses at the beginning um, so that you can increase that throughput. And, and also, I mean, it's not all operational expenses. Like they break that down. And I think chapter nine or chapter 10, he's talking about how machinery that you buy, the depreciated part of it is an operational expense, but it's still an investment. So it's still inventory um, and it's still worth something until it's a hundred percent depreciated. Yeah. Cause you can always sell it. Right. Yeah. Um, for the, for the right, what do you say? He, he says like for the right price, you know, anything in the company can be sold. I like so. in the general chat of our discord, 
this just made me die so hard. I, this guy named Mike just goes, Bill Peach is a dick. And I just <laughs> and I just died laughing when he said that. That's like the first thing he said when he joined. Yeah, I, I thought that was fantastic. <laughs> I like hadn't started reading again um, until like a day or two after that. And then I, I reread it. And I was like, oh, yeah, no, he is yeah. totally. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I think that uh th- that's my big takeaway at least for the first 10 chapters or whatever that is sense. that like you start using those things to justify what you're actually doing and I, I again i see it all the time at my day job like we we do things that make us feel like we're progressing and it's like oh we're gonna do this big project and it'll make us do this and this and this and it's like but did we actually make any money like or did we you know cut jobs or did we reduce parts on the shelf no well then you know we all we did is pat ourselves on the back for nothing um, no, I'm trying to just, I, I do better relating things to like my company so I can kind of understand it. And I guess, I guess maybe a comparison to be, so like today I was printing some parts. They have to be printed on both sides and I have a fixture that was already made that I can print five left sides and five right sides at a time. Okay. So mm-hmm. that's after two cycles, that's five completed parts. Um, and I have a fixture that I could do like 25 left sides and then flip them and do 25 right sides. And my cycle time would be up. But then, because my problem is doing five parts at a time, the cycle time is so quick that I'm constantly going over there. Um, but then I thought about it to myself. I'm like, wait a minute, is this actually, would it actually be more efficient to make that bigger fixture? It wouldn't be because you do the math and it's still only like 30 seconds per figure to do this. That's pretty freaking good. Like I, I just don't see, I kind of caught myself and I'm like, I'm just going to do it. Like it just, I think what all I'm getting at is that this process kind of sucks, but it just kind of is what it is. <laughs> um, so on one hand, yes. But like if you running 25 at a time allows you to sell more inventory, like if you can pack, five more orders in the time uninterrupted that you're running that machine versus being there and using labor every three minutes, then your throughput goes up and your operational expenses stay the same. I guess my counter to that would be unloading a part fixture of 10 parts versus 25 parts is a lot quicker. So it kind of like balance. Really like that's nitty gritty stuff where you'd have to like, actually time yourself and see how much how much that time is worth for you um because like i i we both know long cycle times equals more time to do other stuff and as like a a solo entrepreneur um that's where you kind of that's like your force multiplier i guess um if you have like an employee doing that stuff then it doesn't really matter like you're, you're that's still an operational expense who cares but like if you're the only one working there and it means that you get more orders out the door then I would totally go the longer cycle time route. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, but it sounds like you're starting to have more and more people help, help you out. So, you know, if you can get somebody to sit there and load and unload a, a five part fi- uh, fixture, I would do that instead. I agree. Yeah. Um, so but... what are we thinking for the next batch of pages? We did up to 79. It was. Yeah. So, so let's see here. I was looking and we can either do, I was thinking chapter 20 chapter like 160. 
so we could do 160, but I know we didn't want to be on this book for like a million months either. I'm trying. I'm just so looking at just... how thick this is. We could do like a quarter, another quarter, another 25 percent. Yeah, because the the book actually ends. I just looked at this because it there's like a whole after thing where it talks about Hitachi Hitachi tool. Um, so it ends on 3:37. Yeah. Okay. So. That would be 84 pages if we wanted to do it in four four parts. So should we? So I was either thinking 160, or I was even going to just do longer because now they have more time to read and go up to like 212. So which would put us at the end of 25. Let's see. Yeah, that'd work. Because I do 10 pages a day. That's 13 days. That's 130 pages. Okay. So, all right. So we're going to go to the end of chapter 25 for everybody who's doing it on audiobook. And that is the end of page 212 if you have the 30th anniversary edition of the goal. Um, but the end of chapter 25. Yeah. And then we'll post when it, like, you know, this, our next solo episode comes closer um, and get a little more interaction from you guys. Yeah. Yeah. And I- we'll have to see i might be able to record on the road but i'm going to be gone well, right on a road trip the ninth through i don't know open-ended i have that that entire next week off okay so depending on where i am in the country and what kind of wi-fi i have i'll bring my laptop and uh microphone and a little, a little stand or something we'll see if we can uh get some stuff done because I, I have this entire week of stuff in the shop so i'll actually i'll have stuff to talk about in addition to being on vacation, which will be nice. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I think that's about it. Oh, uh, what did you research this week? Oh no, I had something. Um, (laughs) I need to write this down. Um, trying to think I, I totally had something and I was so proud of it. (laughs) Was it the, the, no, it wasn't that. You go first. Give me a second. No, you got to go first because I'm still looking. Hey. <laughs> um, shoot. Oh, actually, I do have something um, totally machining related, too. So YG1 right now is having a sale on their high feed mills. Um, and I've been like debating getting into high feed mills for steels and stainless steels and stuff like that. And it's buy 30 inserts, get the cutter for free. And so like for a three quarter inch high feed mill, um, it's like 225 for 30 inserts and the body. That's a crap ton of inserts. Yeah. Well, and it's, I think three flutes, it's a three flute cutter and each insert has four cutting edges. Wow. (laughs) Yeah. So you have um, pretty much what, 40 loads uh, worth for 225, which is just crazy. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm thinking I'm going to pull the trigger on that. I kind of wanted a, a threaded body one, but he says that they're like a few months out. So I'm, I'm, I'm either going to get the threaded body one, or I'm just going to get the weld on shank one and get a, uh, holder for Mari tool for it. But I think it'd just be a nice way to rough out, you know, future titanium orders or stainless orders or stuff like that. Yeah, do it. 
Um, so I've been doing a lot of research there and they've actually got a, a few pretty good deals right now on like, uh, their dream drills, which I know a lot of people have talked about on Instagram and said really good things about, and they're just doing some really good, uh, good deals overall. I'm trying to think. I can't remember. I need to write it down. I was totally thinking of it last night when I was driving home. Oh my God. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, I, I got nothing. I guess the only thing would be the function of nylon bushings in a stripper plate injection mold is kind of interesting. Um, if you look up on YouTube, just the function of a, like a stripper plate injection mold, it's really interesting. There's no ejector pins um, on this mold. It simply uses a plate, a stripper plate to strip the parts away from the runner or the sprue. And there's just no ejector pins, which I've never ran a mold like that. It's kind of scary, but it's also really cool at the same time on how they use these nylon bushings to basically create a temporary um, interference fit or press fit until the mold half gets to a certain point and then it can let go of that plate. Oh, that's super interesting. Yeah. Um, so if you look at the pictures I posted on my main Instagram, just brick tactical I think on one of the pictures, you can see that they're like a pink nylon. Yeah. And the last picture, you can kind of see it. If you zoom in, you can see one of them. Um, so that creates an interference fit with that plate to the right of it. Let me pull it up real quick. Rick tactical. All right. So last picture, I was going to say, there's a whole bunch of pictures of you. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So I'm looking at it right now. So you got the mold in front of you and you said the plate on the far right. So zoom in in the middle. You should see like a little, little nipple, little red. That's a nylon bushing. Okay. So that creates an interference fit with the plate to the right of it. Um, mm -hmm. So when that mold is opening from left to right, those three plates are stuck together um, and then when it hits a certain spot, it gives way and it separates that plate. And that's where the parts come out is between those two plates. And then between the, that center plate, um, and the ones to the right is where the sprue comes out. Okay. Awesome. Um, so I was just trying to wrap my head around that, um, the other day and I was like, I think I understand it, but I just wanted to confirm my suspicion. Well, I'm both happy that you're going to get them done for you, but also sad that you won't get the experience of it. If anything, I might stay there until they set it up and watch it run and just kind of, you know, sit back and watch over their shoulder. I'm sure they'd be fine with that. That's a good idea. So. Yeah, that's a really good idea. Yeah. That'd be nice to get the experience without having to, you know, sit there and actually run it. Yeah, yeah. All right. It's getting dark, and I wanted to go on a walk, but it's dark, so I'm going to go on a walk now. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks, everybody, for sticking with us. Um, next week, we have our uh, interview with Matthias from Hermley coming out. Um, thank you again for all the questions you guys submitted. It was a super fun episode to record. Um, and I think you guys will learn a lot. I know we did about 5-axis and all that stuff. And... Uh, yeah, uh, join the Discord. Again, link in our bio, the Within Tolerance podcast bio. 
Um, we'd love to have you on there. It's super fun to get to chat a little more about the book and then just with, you know, our audience and get questions and all that stuff. Um, I'm on there pretty much daily. So, you know, I, I think Peyton jumps into fairly often. So, you know, it's, it's much more of a direct connection to us than DM, DMing us on Instagram. Yeah. And then other than that, yeah, that's about it, actually. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, and then uh, T-shirts will be coming out this week. I'll post the link on our Instagram. I'll post it in the Discord. Um, yeah, you'll be able to pick from a few different colors. Buy as many or as little as you want, and it'll all ship directly to you. 69 is ideal quantity. <laughs> all right, guys. Well, you have an excellent week, and we will uh, talk to you soon. That was intended for Yeti Man only. All right, bye. <laughs>